Welcome back to a Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host, Dustin. Doing a post-game pod for the Mavs win against the uh, Utah Jazz. Uh, We'll go over that, plus uh, other things going on around the NBA. And, of course, we will start with that Mavs game. Um, This is one of those... Crazy Mavs games where they shot 50% from three, which, you know, never really happens. But, uh, you know, it was good to see, you know, Reggie Bullock especially, seven for 11 with 23 points, which was fantastic, is obviously fantastic. Luca himself was four for seven with 32 points. Um... Another guy who shot well. I guess Dorian Finney-Smith and Brunson were both two for four. Uh, Maxi Bertans and Josh Green and Trey Burke were all over, and Nilakina was one for one. He came in and uh, I guess garbage time and got a three pointer. But you know the leading scorer of the game was Luca at uh, thirty two points, and he. Also had 10 rebounds and 5 assists. Uh, Brunson also had 10 rebounds and 5 assists, funny enough. Uh, you know, a couple things that I felt like sort of stood out in this game. I, I, I didn't really see Powell a lot in the second half when the Mavs pretty much... Um, sort of took over. I, I don't know if that was because he was struggling a bit against uh, Wancho and Pascal. You know, uh, Gobert and Whiteside didn't play this game, obviously, to those who watched it. And so their backup centers, uh, that Pascal, or Pascal, however you say it, and Wancho also plays, you know, a small ball five, uh, being, uh, I guess he's around like six foot ten, six nine, um, so he does play a bit of backup center in the past, and I think even Rudy Gay did as well. To, you know, when Mavs, like I said, they went small. I think they were playing Maxi um, a lot more than they were playing Powell, but I noticed Rudy Gay playing a lot of big. So, you know, I, the Pascal was hitting some threes at first. You know, he was two for three. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I felt like, I guess the, the Mavs, or the Jason Kidd felt they had a better shot with uh, Powell not playing. You know, Powell's probably a good third-string center. Um, you know, I, I like a I know I've given him a hard time, and I always say it in these pods how I don't mean to sort of rag on him or whatever too much, but, you know, I thought Luca did a better job on Wancho than, than Pal did. You know, Luca, he, I, th- I think at some point he was out there as, you know, the four against Wancho, and so I, I, that was obviously the better lineup. You know, because you'd have Dorian Finney-Smith or Bullock, and then you'd have Brunson and Dinwiddie out there with him. 
And so Maxi was more or less the five. And even Berton's got some uh, spot minutes uh, at, at the five position. And he wasn't too bad this game. Uh, like I said, he did miss the one three-pointer, but he did get a couple dunks. And, you know, it was, it was shots that, you know, he... Uh, I know one of them, it was like a fast break, and he, he got a dunk off that. And he did get a couple free throws for being fouled. So uh, I thought Bertans actually had a pretty good game. Um, he was active. Uh, he didn't have any rebounds, but he did have a couple assists and a block. Um, now, he didn't have a block. I'm sorry. He had two rebounds and one steal. It was Josh Green. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong line. Josh Green had the block. But... Uh, you know, it's a couple of, you know, the Mavs as a team only had eight turnovers. Uh, Luka only had three, which is a pretty low number for him. You know, he's been sort of a, a turnover machine lately, but you figure as much as he handles the ball, you know, he's going to have, you know, high turnover rate. So um, sometimes I, I do think he gets himself in a little bit of trouble when he jumps to pass, and so... You know, that's just one of the things I wish he'd kind of clean up. But, anyhow. But overall, it was a Mavs, uh, it was a game the Mavs needed. Uh, they were tied with Utah record-wise going in. So, with that win, they now have a, are a game up on Utah for that fourth spot. And they're tied in the series 2-2. So, if they weren't in the season they would go to the next tiebreaker. Now, like I said, I, I don't know what that next tiebreaker is. Um, somebody else, somebody would have to look that up. I would have to try and read it, find it somewhere. But uh, Utah does have a few tough games left. Dallas has one, I think, against Milwaukee. Um, Dallas's next game is against the Lakers. And, I, you know, I'm doing this on a uh, Monday and I've already read news that LeBron isn't going to be playing against uh, the Mavs. I, I think it's on a Tuesday night. And so the Lakers will be without both LeBron and AD for that game. Um, so even as bad as L.A. is when LeBron does play, uh, the Mavericks better win that game. The, the Lakers actually lost last night as well to the Pelicans. Um, they are now 12 games below five hundred. They are sitting in, I believe, the tenth spot, and the team behind them, uh, San Antonio, plays the Rockets tonight. So that is going to be an interesting, um, I guess, race to go down to the end because the Lakers' schedule at the end of the year is very difficult. I mean, I think they play a. A winning team every night for the rest of the year. I, I would have to go back and look, but I think they play a winning team every night or every their next like seven games or whatever. So um, the Spurs are only a game behind them. Uh, you know, I few uh, like a week back or so, I, I wasn't sure if San Antonio could catch LA, and now being only a game back and seeing, you know, what they have to play the rest of the season. You know, San Antonio's on a three-game win streak. I kind of think it'd be funny if the Lakers missed the playoffs, especially because I think their pick, they could do a pick swap with, like, New Orleans or something. They, they owe a pick swap, I think. 
So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that you know how the end of the season goes for them. But uh, like I said, this is a game that Dallas really needs to take advantage of. Um, I hope they come out and they play serious uh, because they do, you know, have some a few tougher games to play the rest of the year. They're not easy, so I'd like them to keep this four. Uh, Golden State is um, on a two-game losing streak. They're five and five in their last ten, and they. Um, don't have Steph for basically the rest of the regular season. And they also have somewhat of a difficult um, schedule. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was the Golden State plays Memphis tonight. Now, Memphis doesn't have John Morant, but Memphis is better without John Morant, which is sort of funny. Uh, the way they play without him is, I, I guess it's wide open and free, and they just, they're a fantastic team when he's not on the court. So, Golden State could bring in another loss um, tonight, especially as bad as they've been playing. And if Golden State does lose, I mean, it would only be a one-game difference in the loss column. So, uh, and it would only be a half game, you know, obviously in the standings. Uh, so, but still, you know, if Dallas could get a win against the Lakers, they could pull it within a game by tomorrow evening. And then um, I think they play again. They play on Tuesday against L.A., and then I think they have a back-to-back -back where they play Wednesday in Cleveland. So um, the Tuesday game is a home game, and then they fly out to Cleveland. And I think Cleveland is uh, – Jared Allen's out, which is huge for them because they play three, three bigs with Jared Allen in. And I think he's out with a broken finger, but I think he will be back at some point, maybe by the end of the season. But because uh, they're going to need him in that that play-in tournament, you know, Cleveland's already fallen out of the uh, top six. They're on a three-game losing streak. They're four and six in the last ten, and it's a it's a tough game for Dallas because Cleveland is a bigger team. You know, like I said, thankfully Allen's not going to play. It will help them out. You know, Marketing and Mobley are the two bigs that are out there now. Marketing starting at center, which shouldn't be a problem against Dallas since Dallas doesn't really have one. So uh, I'm hoping it's a game Dallas can win. And, you know, people are looking at the, the standings in the East and seeing, you know, Brooklyn, they're, uh, they're sort of falling in the standings, even though Kyrie can play home games now. They still are missing uh, Ben Simmons. I don't know if Ben Simmons is going to come back and play. I don't know when, but that'll be interesting to see if he does come back and play, how that uh, pans out. The uh, The standings in the East are quite jumbled at this point. Uh, the top four teams have 28 losses. Now, Milwaukee and Philly have uh, one less win than Boston and Miami, but, you know, all the losing that sort of been done at the top of the East has allowed Boston to catch up, and it, you know, it's, what's funny is when you look at people and their, their MVP rankings, they automatically, like, they drop one guy out just to add another without, 
you know, including Luca in it. Even though, you know, I want to think, I have to send the past. One of the guys I listen to is Bill Simmons. And he seems like he's mad at the Mavs because of the way they do their, you know, they beat the Celtics because he doesn't even think about Luca anymore. Even though he used to be a big Luca supporter, all of a sudden he's not anymore. And, you know, it's funny. It, it's like he won't, even, he doesn't even have him in the first team all NBA, but. You know, his argument for Jokic being, you know, first team All-NBA or MVP or whatever is, you know, who are Lo- who are Jokic's next four best teammates? You know, it's Aaron Gordon, it's Will Barton, and he named a couple other guys. But it's like, well, who are the, who's Luka's next best teammates? You know, you or four best teammates. Obviously, Dinwiddie for the last 10 games and Brunson. Who are those next two guys? Is it Dorian Finney-Smith? I mean, where are we putting Dorian Finney-Smith as rankings, at, you know, in the NBA? And, and it's no sort of knock on Dorian. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to give me a team's five best players, I'm sorry. I, I think talent-wise, Dallas is, is really bad. I, I just don't – I just think Dallas really lacks talent, and they're overachieving at this point. You know, there's an ESPN, or I don't know if he's ESPN. I think he's Fox Sports. I can't. I don't know what they all switch networks, so it's tough to keep up with them. But his he's like Nick Wright is his name or something. He thinks Dallas is going to go to the finals for the Western Conference. Now, I don't think Dallas can go to the finals. I don't think Dallas will beat Phoenix, but there is an interesting sort of um, thing that's uh, he said. Bill Simmons did say on his podcast, and he. You know, he lives out in L.A. and he has Clippers season tickets. And, you know, I've already been reading that Paul George might be back here in the next few games along with Norman Powell. So they're probably going to have Paul George and Norman Powell for their last five-ish games. And uh, he's saying that if the Clippers win uh, one of these games in the play-in tournament, and they make the playoffs that it's possible that Kawhi could start playing. Now, that's kind of tough to make your season debut in the playoffs, but for I guess for a guy like Kawhi who pro- likes to play at his own pace anyways, it's not too big of a deal, but I do think it's somewhat of a big deal. I, you know, I figured he would need – I, I would have thought he could – do something like 10 games before and then sort of get in and start playing. But at this rate, they're saying if he plays, it'll be the first game of the playoffs. Now, I'm still not 100% convinced that he will play. Um, my guess is, is by the time the, you know, the playoffs roll around, there'll be something where, oh, he doesn't want to chance it, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to play. But I will find it interesting if the playoffs roll around and, you know, they end up with the 7th or 8th seed. And especially if it's the 8th seed. And they're facing off against Phoenix, who has just been dominating teams all year. And, you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, now you got to play the full Clippers roster. You know, with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. That, it would be very interesting to see. Because adding, adding two... All-star players to a team that's, in all honesty, is probably overachieved as well. Um, 
you know, they are on a five-game losing streak. They're two and eight in their last ten. They're three games below five hundred, but they're still eighth right now because you know the Lakers have been so bad. Pelicans aren't that good of a team. You know, Zion's out for the rest of the year, so. I do think there's a a road for them to be the eighth, and I will think it's going to be kind of funny how they could be, you know, all their guys back playing Phoenix, and if Dallas ends up in this 4-5 spot and can somehow win in the first round, they would again face the Clippers in the second round if the Clippers got past um, Phoenix. So... Just sort of like what ifs that you know people like to write about, um, which are kind of funny. Uh, you know, I I don't know if they're good enough to beat Minnesota with just Paul George. You know, they did really well last year in the playoffs with just Paul George. So anything's sort of possible, especially if you know somebody's having a bad game for Minnesota because Minnesota basically relies on three guys. They're a lot like Mavericks. You know, they rely on just three guys. And you just hope one of your role players can show up and hit some shots. And so um, I think Minnesota relies more on those three guys than Dallas does on theirs uh, because, you know, Minnesota, after their top three guys, their talent drops off a bit as well. But I I still do like – there are still several players on their team I do like and I think are good players. So – you know, there is a chance if they, you know, if the Clippers beat Minnesota in that first game uh, in the play-in tournament, you know, the Clippers then would end up with the seventh seed playing Memphis. And that would be another interesting, you know, matchup because all of a sudden, you know, Memphis has worked so hard to get to the two seed, and next thing you know, they're going to play a healthy Clippers team. So it's just fun to speculate. Um you know, Utah, I don't know how long Gobert or Whiteside's going to be out. I, I don't know their statuses. Um, Denver supposedly was supposed to get Murray and Porter Jr. back, but we still haven't seen them. I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't keep up with it, but I just don't know if it's still a thing. So, um, But like I was saying about the East, you know, their first four teams are all jumbled up, and... I don't know who's going to end where, but, you know, Brooklyn's sitting at the nine spot. They're going to have to fight for a playoff spot. So right now, as of right now, they've got the same record as Charlotte. Um, Having the same record, all it takes is for one team to win and the other to lose. And, you know, they they can end up in the eighth spot and be playing Cleveland in that first game. And with Cleveland's injuries right now, you never know. They could take that first game and go into the – playing tournament or going to the playoffs as the seventh seed. And so who's going to be that team that faces Brooklyn in the first round? Now, if Brooklyn has the team they currently have, I just don't know if Brooklyn's got enough to win. I do think they have enough to beat Philly. I think they know how to beat Philly, you know, and I think Philly should – I think Philly's going to tank the rest of the season. I think Philly's content on playing Chicago. Because I, I think they're scared to win a couple games and then end up facing Brooklyn in the first round. And all of a sudden, they've got to face a team that knows how to beat them. Where Chicago's got, you know, injury problems. They're getting guys back. They, they haven't got to back, back where they were at the start of the year. But 
you know, anything's possible when the playoffs start. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Ben Simmons, I just curious if we'll see him at all this year. Um, what kind of shape is he going to be in? How many minutes a game is he going to play? When's he going to play? Uh, those are just all answers. I have no idea. You know, Atlanta's sitting in the 10th spot. They're probably going to finish that 10th spot. Um, unless they somehow pass Brooklyn. But I don't think New York can catch them. You know, they're at this point, they're four and a half games back with like seven to play. They got to basically win out and have Brooklyn or Atlanta lose out, or even Charlotte. They could, you know, sneak in if they lost that, you know. So it basically be a miracle for New York or Washington to make it. Uh, Washington's one of the teams Dallas plays down the stretch. Uh, you know, they're playing decent right now. Um, KP's playing some decent basketball. I'm interested to see how that game goes. He's going to be very motivated to win. Um, it's in Washington, so I'm curious to see how that goes. But um, after that, you know, it, it's, you know, these teams at the bottom are racing to see who gets the first pick. Um, watching some of this college basketball, um, I think the um, couple things kind of. I stick out, you know, for one was uh, watching uh, the Duke Blue Devils. I think they got the guy who should be the first pick in the draft in Banchero. But they also have a guy who I think Dallas should be able to, might be able to get. I, I don't know how far or like how high he's ranked or, you know, where people have him or if somebody might over. Like, I don't know where he's ranked as far as players, but he's their big. He's a seven foot tall. He's a center. He rebounds. He defends. He's exactly what they need. And you know, I had said that somebody did a uh, a uh, mock draft, and they had them picking a center out of Arizona, who's a seven footer who blocks shots and rebounds. So either one would just make me happy. I, I they need a big and. If they're gonna go into the year next year with the same team, they've got to address it. And if it's, I, I know a rookie's not gonna change the trajectory of the team, but if you can get a guy who can at least help you in defending and rebound, no matter how raw he may be, it, it, it's something. And I, I just think at some point they're gonna have to address that, and I hope they do address it in the off season. So, you know, rumor has it there going to be pursuing Mitchell Robinson. I don't know how much they're going to offer him or how much they can offer him or if they'll even try to move someone like Bertans or Tim Hardaway. I'd be, I'm, I'll be interested to see if that happens. Uh, so, you know, it, it's something that I guess to keep an eye on when the offseason rolls around. But I think regardless of who you go after in the offseason – you should be looking to draft a big like that. So um, hopefully that happens. And like I said, I, I think because all the guy for Duke does is he he pretty much just rebounds and he defends. You know, those are guys that are usually taken at the end of the first round where Dallas will be picking and the second round where because they have no really offensive skills, which is fine. I, I don't won't care about his offensive skills. You know, he does 
have some. You know, he's a lob threat. He, you know, he's scored down low. I've, you know, I've seen him do it, but it's not like a guy. It's not like Joel Embiid where he's gonna score in the post, like you know, and Jokic and even uh, Valanciunas and um, the guy for Chicago. His name slipped my mind, but it, you know, it's one of those things where uh, they just they need an athlete at the center position who can block shots and rebound and uh, it's just it'll go a long way to really you know help them win some of these games where it's like they they you know they can't get a rebound they're giving up second chance points and you know those second chance points all of a sudden are the difference in your your win or loss and so you know you might the rebound numbers might end up looking close, but it's like, well, those four extra offensive rebounds they got was basically the difference in the game. So it's something they, you know, I'd like to see them address. But uh, other than that, I, that's pretty much it for um, this episode. I'm gonna go ahead and end it there. Uh, I'll probably won't do another pod till after the back to back. You know, they play Tuesday and Wednesday, so I'll probably do a pod on Thursday. And we'll go over both games. And I really hope they're both wins. I would like to see Utah lose a couple games to give a little bit of cushion. But I'd also like to see Golden State lose some games. Maybe Dallas can sneak in the three spot. So, uh, you know, facing Phoenix... You know, I, I think Dallas has a chance against all these teams, really. Uh, I, I think they have a chance to win in the playoffs, except Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the best team in the league. I could see Phoenix winning the finals outright. Um, I think their biggest competition would be Milwaukee at this point. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And, you know, Miami is a team that's in sort of a uh, they had a you know fight between Jimmy Butler and the coach, and so you know they've lost four in a row, and they're just in a little of a tailspin right now. But when the playoffs roll along, you never know. They have guys that can show up, so that'll be interesting to see. But uh, I'll go like I said, I'll go ahead and end it there, and we'll see where the standings are on Thursday. See who's won, who's lost, and who's moved where. And we'll talk about it then. But until next time, uh, I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I've given that out a hundred times. If you, the Mavs Outsider, at the Mavs Outsider, if you could rate and review the podcast, I'd appreciate it. But uh, until next time, we'll see you later.